Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. So good to be in the Lord's house this morning. Um, I'm just humbled to be able to bring the word today, and it has been one of those weeks where I had like three or four different things prepared, and every time I would get it wrapped up, it would just be like... So... um, I had a lot of doubt going on this week. Today's sermon, I hope you get something from it. It may just be a conversation. I think this is something we all struggle with, whether we admit to it or not. But I I, I do struggle with doubt severely. I mean, I I do. I think anybody uh, that's a dad, a husband, a, a leader of any sort, doesn't matter how big or how small, I would imagine suffers with doubt and, and I have struggled with it a lot. The thing I'm good at is putting on a good front. Masking anxiety and fear with confidence and assurance. Because that's the easy part. Wearing a costume is easy. But taking it off and letting people see the real person is tough. And, and the truth of the matter, since it's just us, is I'm terrified all the time because of doubt. Also, another thing about doubt is the world we live in today, it's so easy to get caught up with, with thinking too much. There's, we, we live in an age where information is everywhere. You remember a couple of years ago, the big buzzword was disinformation misinformation and all that, and I'm not going to get on that. But it's true. We, there is so much out there. Some of it's true. Some of it's not true. Some of it's kind of true. But where do we seek the truth? Where do we go for that? I know where we should go for it. I know where we could go and get that doubt alleviated. But so many times we don't. It's just the world we live in. It's, it's in our workplace. It's in our homes. Everybody has one of these. This thing, my, my grandmother Pauline said, that's the devil. It's the devil in our pocket. I don't think truer words have ever been spoken. I think she, she kind of knew, you know, that was kind of just coming around before she passed. But I think that she saw to where that's too much. That's a bridge too far. And I think we use it as such. And the result of it is there's never been a time in human history when there's so much anxiety and so much fear. Even during the Depression, even during World War II, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, people didn't fear and doubt like we do today. Because as one thing goes down, another one goes up. That's faith in the Lord goes down. The fear and doubt go up. 
And that's a fact. You can track that out. You can look at Gallup polls, Barna polls, every kind of poll that's ever been done. Faith goes down, doubt and fear goes up. It's, it, it, it's the condition of where we live right now. What do we do about that? Where do we go from here? There's several sources of doubt. And, and I'm going to have sources of doubt and causes of doubt. And I'm like, well, it's kind of the same thing. No, not really. Uh, many times, and, and I'm guilty of this, is unlived truth. I know what I believe. And I say I believe it. And I can tell you and I can sing pretty songs and I can do all the things that a good Christian should do. But if I'm not living that, then I don't truly trust it. Amen? You're like, dude, come on, man. You're, you're preaching today. You shouldn't be admitting that. It's true. I admit it. I don't live it all the time. I do some. I do a good job sometimes. And I, and I do a horrible job sometimes. And I see my daughter smiling. <laughs> She's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Heavy on the ugly. Sometimes. As I've seen with her. Touche. But unlived truth is a source of doubt. Unlived truth is a source of doubt. Not practicing. You know, you've heard the old, we don't practice what we preach. Well, it's true. We don't. We get caught up in the things and we forget the one. We forget the truth that we've been, should be, that we base our salvation on. Another source is unexamined faith. Like what? Unexamined faith. We're not spending enough time in the Word. Guilty. I can do good for a week or two. I can get up and I can do my devotional. And inevitably, something will, will distract. Your job, your life. The, the, the problem is, is I'm not willing to sacrifice the time needed to wake up before the distractions set in to spend enough time in the Word, which leads unexamined faith. Because if you're not digging into the Word, you're not examining your faith and you're not testing your faith. The Word tells us to test our faith. But if we're not doing that, there's a void there. God put in our souls. When He saves you, he, there's a special place for His Word. He has bought and paid for that space. Amen? He's bought and paid for it. Now what we do with it, He lets us decide. It'd be much easier if we were like animals and He just fed us every morning. Hey, here it is. Honk the horn. Any of y'all have cows? You go out there, you drive across the field with an old beat up truck and you honk the horn and hear them heifers come because they know what's coming. It's easy, but we're not animals. He gave us free will. It's up to us. But there's a special place. There is a volume of our soul that has been bought and paid for specifically for us to put His Word. The psalmist says, hide that Word in our hearts. We're not confident in that Word. We're not confident in the things that we even preach because 1 Peter 3.15, what's it say? Be ready. Always be ready to give a defense for the faith that we profess. 
That's what it says in the Word. Here's, here's one that I get a lot. I've got a couple of guys at work that ask me questions. And, and that's a good thing. And, and, you know, at the workplace, it's kind of, it's you've got to be careful how you negotiate depending on where you're employed. But if they ask questions, I feel like that I'm, you know, if you ask the question, I can give you an answer. So I always wait for those great opportunities. But they always ask me, what about prayers that, that God doesn't answer? We blame God on not answering our prayers. Not getting a response from God. Well, uh, silence is an answer. We don't like to hear that answer, but silence is an answer. And then the big one is for non, non-believers especially. And, and for a lot of believers. And I struggle with this too because this is, what, this, is, this, this is a source of some of the anger. is undeserved suffering. Not necessarily my undeserved suffering. I deserve whatever I get. I, I'm mature enough in the Word to know that, hey, whatever I get, I've, I've earned it. But a lot of people, a lot of the outside, how can a loving God allow His people? Not just suffering, but how, how do you allow... How do you allow your children to suffer? We live in a sin-filled world. We live in a fallen world. And sometimes the suffering that we allow our children, is, it's perceived suffering, but it's really not. It's for their own good. God will do the same thing to His children. He will rebuke your children. He will test His children. He will try His children. He will allow suffering in their lives to refine them. I love, I've burned my wife out. She got me started, but the show Blue Bloods. Anybody watch that? I got one. And, and we got a part-timer over here. Okay. It, it's, a, it's a cop show. Anyway, Tom Selleck is the police commissioner. And his two sons are on the force. Well, he goes out of his way to not show favoritism. And he's harder on them than he is anybody else. Why? Because he's setting a standard. That is the way that God deals with us. When you are His child, when you say, Yes, Lord, I want You to come into my life. I want You to occupy my soul. I want You to save me from my sin. And I want You to dwell with me. And I want You to be my Heavenly Father. Well, you have now opened the door for His chastisement. And He will. He will love you like no other can. But He will also rebuke you like no other can. But it is always for our own good. It is always a process of growth. But that right there, when we're on shaky ground in our faith, that is a source of doubt. There's causes of doubt. Like I said before, sources and causes. It sounds like the same. It's not exactly the same. The first cause of doubt that I can think of happened in the very first book of the Bible. The enemy is the cause of doubt. God told Adam and Eve, do not eat the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you do that, you shall surely die. Those were God's words. You shall surely die. And who comes along and says, Now you, shall, you surely won't die. You will not surely die. He said that to Eve. Doubt creeps in. That's why we're here. So he's the number one cause of it. One tiny word. Look, you will surely die. No, 
you will not surely die. One word can create that much doubt to create such chaos in our world. Wow. The other cause is unbelief. I think we all struggle with that. Some, I do. You ever hear something, read something? Sometimes even at church, somebody will tell you something. And they'll say, God, fill in the blank. And you're like, okay. Because we're skeptics by nature. I am. I envy those that can just believe without trying. I do. It, it takes a tremendous amount of effort to, to, to get my head around some of the things that God does. And that's just being honest. There's some things that I, that I can even see with my own eyes, and I try to explain that away with anything other than God because I'm a reasonable person. I'm a smart person. I'm an educated person, right? I've been to school. I've read the books. I've taken the test. I'm smart, so, you know, don't... don't. But that's, that is our arrogance, that our understanding would even get anywhere near the knowledge and the power and the understanding of God. Now, some people are whack. I'll just tell you. They are. That's a whole other... It's a whole other subject for a whole other day. Discernment. But unbelief can cause a tremendous amount of doubt in the believer. We can say we're believers, but there's, there's something back there that just makes us scratch our head. We have this unbelief. And I think it's okay to ask God questions. I do not think He likes it when we question who He is and His authority. I think there's a Everybody says there's a fine line. There's a really broad line between the two. He asked us, in fact, to test the spirits in His Word. He says, test the spirits. But He gave us a helper, the Holy Spirit, and He gave us the Word to do just that. This is the cure for our unbelief. We have worldly wisdom. I kind of touched on that. Like I said, there's information out there. You can find... Right now, the big thing is I saw on the news this morning, and I try not to watch. I'm going to blame it on my wife. That now, there's a move to try to block out some of the sun to, <laughs> to reverse the effects of climate change. No, that's true. I, I couldn't make that up. Bingo. Worldly wisdom. We know better. Arrogance. That's the same arrogance that got Satan expelled from heaven. I know better. I can be God. I will be my own God. And where did that get him? And he's still swinging. And he's still fighting. Worldly wisdom. There's so much of it out there. Parents, be careful what your kids are exposed to. You cannot shelter them. Don't be naive. But listen, the, the schools are, are becoming inundated with it. The colleges are already a lost cause. 
the workplace, you have to be real. We have to get real. We can't have this nice, fluffy, cotton candy Christianity anymore. We've got to raise up we got to raise up a generation of warriors that are grounded in godly wisdom and not worldly wisdom. Because my dad told me a long time ago, he said, Son, you, you'll find what you're looking for. You're going to find what you're looking for. And I thought, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Until I became a dad and then I understood, okay, they're, they're going to find what they're looking for. Deep inside of all of us, we're looking for truth. We're looking for love. We're looking for answers. And we're looking for stability. That, that's, that's the essence of every human being. You're going to find what you're looking for. You're going to find it somewhere. But we have to raise up a generation of warriors. It, it, the time is now. Spiritual instability is another cause. Like that's unstable. That was that wasn't planned. Spiritual instability. There is a lot of spiritual instability in our churches today. We have churches and denominations that are built on spiritual instability. You're like what? Yes, there are churches today that are apologists for the culture that we live in. That's spiritual instability. I don't care how you look at it. They are not stable enough in the Word of God and the Word of God alone to stand on that and feel like they have the authority by God to preach just that alone. No, they have to add to it. Or they have to take away from it. But that spiritual instability, no matter how devout people are, no matter what is preached from the pulpit, if it is not lined up perfectly with the Word of God, you're going to have instability. Spiritual instability, and that's going to create doubt. Because that doesn't last out there. That will erode away so fast. Anything short of or beyond this Word is a death sentence to the one who walks out with it. That's just a fact. That's not hateful. I'm not trying to be ugly. That is just the fact. Now, there's a way to negotiate this world without being hateful, but standing on that. Unwavering. But if we waver from that at all, if we, if we take a little bit of this, with that, it erodes what good this does in our lives. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians was, was basically a, a Q&A. A rebuke. He, he basically told them, hey, this is what I see, and this is what's wrong. And here's how you fix it. The good news is, in the Word, there's 2 Corinthians. And that was a book of, like, okay, you're getting it right. You get it. You see the light. You're strengthening your people. You're strengthening your congregation because you've returned to your first love in the truth. And you're standing on that firm foundation You put James 1, 6 through 8 up, please. It says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, 
For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's okay to have questions, but we have to firm up our faith. Because once doubt creeps in, the questions start coming. Doubt is a sickness. Doubt is a virus. If you don't deal with it and deal with it immediately, it grows. It's like a cancer. It'll metastasize. And it just goes where it will. And pretty soon, not only does it infect you, it'll affect the others around you. And it's, it's unconscious. Dads, it's unconscious. I'm preaching to me. Your kids will pick up on your doubt. Moms, your kids will pick up on your doubt. Brothers and sisters, your siblings will pick up on your doubt. And I fail at this in my own home. I'll just be the first to admit, we don't spend enough time just shoring up the walls of our faith to keep doubt from creeping in. Amen? And that hurts for me to say. But that's a fact. So-called Christians, myself included, don't spend enough time shoring up those walls of our faith to keep the doubt from creeping in. Because we've already established the cause of doubt. The number one cause of doubt is the enemy. And all it takes is one three-letter word to create that doubt. And where are we in that? Well, go outside and you'll find out. Look at the world around us. The proof is there. The men of the church, the families of the church, we're, we're failing at an alarming rate. Man, this is... This sermon stinks, Mitchell. Yeah, it does. God promised us we, we, we were going to live in this corrupted world. From the time that Adam tried to hide his own sin. See, it was bad enough that he violated a command of God. Everybody thinks, well, that's what caused... No, that, that wasn't what caused it. That wasn't where the doubt crept in. It was him being ashamed but also him being arrogant enough to think that he could fashion a, his own covering. That is what corrupted. Had he just had the humility to say, God, I have failed you, this may look a lot different. Amen? Had he just had the humble heart to say, God, I failed. I need your help. And here I am naked before you. But he tried to cover his own sin. He tried to cover his own mistake. How many? I'm guilty of it. We do that with God every day. It can be small. It can be large. But we have to be a people who are so aware of failing God. How do we do that? We dig in to the Word so that we know when we slip. And we all will. We are a fallible, corrupted people. We're dying right now. 
And that, that's just the long and short of it. We're not infinite in our mortality. We have an expiration date. But while we're here, the more we get into this Word, the more that we realize what our shortcomings are, and the more that we go to the One who can forgive and restore, the more that we shore up our faith, and the more that that affects the world around us. See, everybody's looking for this major event and this major cataclysmic spiritual explosion to start a revival. That's not what's going to happen. And I believe there's another awakening coming. I do. I'm not one of those who's like, well, come on back. And that's fine, great. That's not what He's called us to do. Nothing in this Word says, sit and wait, because I'm coming back, don't do anything, stand by. God never says, don't do anything, stand by. No, the Great Commission was go out into all the nations and make disciples. What does that look like? It depends on who you are and where you are. You can go out and make disciples right out here. In the dirt. If you're willing. If I'm willing. We think it's got to be this far off land and we're going to save people who don't even speak our language. Well, that's a pretty lofty goal since we don't speak their language. We, we can't even talk to people who do speak our language. Because I can't even talk to myself enough to dig in deeper and shore up those four walls of my faith so that my daughter said, Mother, he is, yeah, that's, man, I, that's, man, he's, he's really strong. I, hmm, wow. Because they'll never come out and say, wow, Dad, you're really awesome, blah, blah. They're not going to do that. I'm far enough along now and that ain't going to happen. But I am slick enough to know when they look and they're like, you know, she's really, she's really like giving me the eye right now. We have to shore that up. We have to, we have to work on that spiritual instability. Who's ready for some good news? Boy, I am. This has been borderline depressing. But we have to be real. Before I get to the good news, we have to be going forward. And I was talking about the worship and everything. I have daughters. I have one that's 20 and you're 16. I just about threw up. I know a thing or two about the generation. That generation. My generation, Generation X, I mean, we grew up in the 90s. Early 90s, mid 90s. Man, we just wanted to we wanted to be rebels, but we wanted to belong to the counterculture. That's what we wanted to do. Right? You know? I mean, that's how gangs got started. Because you wanted to belong to something that was stronger than you. But at the same time, you wanted to rebel. And then you had the millennials come around, like, like these two new... And, and that generation is, is 
no offense, they're a little passive. They're not going to pick a big fight, but they don't, they don't need to belong necessarily. They don't really need an affiliation. That's, that's not what they're looking for. And then you got the, what's the next, the Gen, Gen Z? Now, Gen Z are some real, real eclectic kids. They're super smart, but they act super stupid. But it's intentional. They will play dumb better than anybody on planet Earth. Yeah. But there's one thing you need to know about them. And here's the thing. This is the generation that we got to go after. This is the generation that we need to start pulling in because they're 16 years old. Four, five, six years. I mean, they're all about authenticity. They want nothing to do with anything that's phony. They want it raw and they want it real. Church has done a horrible job being that. We'll pretty it up. We'll make it smell nice. We'll make it anything but raw and real. Because we can't stomach that. I don't want that. I want to hear something good, and I want to hear God's coming back and He's taking me with Him. Yoo-hoo! Yay! But Generation Z, they're not having that. Different mindset. They're, they're 16, 20. I'm 46, 47. My expiration date is sooner than theirs. They're sitting here in this place, and they know I've got a long time to live on this earth, and I'm, I'm not sure what I believe in. But I sure don't want to believe in something that's moving. I sure don't want to believe in something that's, that's fake. I sure don't want to believe in something that doesn't speak to me. Am I right? Yay? Nay? Am I, am, I, am, I, am I hitting the target or am I off? Am? That's just the fact of the matter. So, going forward, we, we have to be real and we have to be raw. Authenticity is what we got to be. Sometimes that's admitting some things like, I stink at doing Bible study at my own home. Because it's a lot easier to pretend up here that I've got it all together than it is to actually do the work at home. That's a fact. And the one thing that they're hungry for is that at home. Now they will come here as a byproduct, but they want that because they want to know, I'm going with mom and dad because mom and dad are real. How many of you grew up in a home where your mom and dad would get up on Sunday morning and something would go haywire and they would get into a fight? Now I'm not talking about like throwing pots and pans kind of fight. I'm just talking about a real good old-fashioned down-home argument like getting pretty heated and then, y'all got to hurry up and get in the car. And you get to church and the whole time it's just been like Tasmanian devil. And you open the doors.
How are you doing? Oh, we're doing great. Blessed to be here. Blessed to be here. That's a bunch of malarkey. You're 17 seconds away from calling a divorce attorney. And luckily, church was close enough and they didn't have cell phones. We got to get real. And that doesn't mean being perfect, that just means being real. That doesn't mean not getting in arguments. We're going to. But we got to get real. Church, we got to get real. If we're going to grow, and I'm not talking about numerically, I don't give a hoot. I'm beyond that. And these kids, I'll tell you right now, they don't care about that numbers game either. Gen X, boy, we cared about it. How many can we recruit? Come on. Selling a little candy bars. I sold more than you did. I got the beach chair. Ha, ha, ha. They don't care about that. They're not selling it. And they ain't buying it. They want it raw, and they want it real. And you know what, church? We could use a dose of it too. Amen? Y'all see that maneuver? I thought that they were on my head, but they were actually in my hand. So it goes to show you the hands faster than the mind. Cures for doubt. We'll wrap it up real quick. I didn't get to near those scriptures. That's fine. That's fine. I, I kind of I chased a wasn't a rabbit, a little bit of a three-legged wombat. He kind of cure number one for doubt. Live the truth. Just live it. Well, I'm not, I don't, just, just live it. Just shut up and live it. If you foul up, live it. If you mess up, I'm sorry. I gave my girls these 11 rules, and every time I say 11 rules, they roll their eyes. Just like she just did. But rule number 11, I think it's the most important one. It says sometimes you're wrong. Hey, how many times have I told you I'm sorry? A lot. Never apologize for being right. That's one of the rules. But sometimes you're wrong. Apologize. You're not too big to say I'm sorry. But live the truth. Be real. Hey, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It may not look like your house exactly. But, but we're working on it. We're a work in progress. Make time. Make an effort. Make a plan. Try to stick to it. Just be real. Because if we're waiting for a good time to open up the Word and just share that with our family, we will never do it. Ever. Examine your faith. Can you put Psalm 77.11 up there? I do want to put this one on there before we close. Examine your faith. It says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. That implies that we're going to read something that He's already done. I will remember the works of the Lord. Or something He's done in our lives. But we have a lot of history and a lot of genealogy and a lot of miraculous events and a lot of healing and a lot of victory and a lot of how to overcome failure and a lot of repentance and a lot of what not to do in this book. It is at our fingertips. It is on our phones. There's never been a time when we have so many resources to get closer to God. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember 
the, work, the works and wonders of old. The other cure for doubt, know this, all prayers are answered. Every prayer of the believer is answered. It usually gets answered. I had a, a pastor that was dear to me, one of my spiritual mentors, probably my, my biggest spiritual mentor. He said, Matt, he said, you know, I really wish God would talk to me in big words and fancy elegies, but generally when I pray, he'll answer me in one of four ways. He said, it's yes, no, slow, or go. He said, and sometimes there's a fifth one. I said, what's that? He goes, silence. That's where the slow come in. And one thing I've found out over over the course of time is I would, I would pray for things I, I thought that really I really wanted or that I thought God really wanted me to have or, or something that He wanted me to do. But I wasn't persistent because there would be no answer. Obviously, I wasn't spiritually mature enough to understand that sometimes His answer is no by silence or wait by silence. I'd give up on that and move on. Obviously, that wasn't for me anyway. But remember this, every prayer gets answered. As a believer, when you pray, every one of your prayers will be answered. And it may not be the answer you're looking for. And it may not be audible. And it may not be instant. But those prayers get answered. This is not necessarily good news, but it is good news. Suffering is a result of sin. This is the hardest question for the believer to answer for the non-believer. Why is there such suffering? Because there's sin in the world. I don't just suffer for my own sin. I suffer for all sin. The same as y'all suffer for all sin. You suffer for mine. I suffer for yours. It's, it's the condition of the world we live in. But there's hope that the suffering is not in vain. We know how the story ends. But to know that we're not alone in our suffering, that helps with our doubt. I, I'm not alone. I can take this to the Lord. I can take it to my friends. I can take it to my family. We're not alone in this. Doubt's a real thing, church. There's so many people I've seen come and go in, in the church, and, and that's fine. But there's so many people I've seen get so close to having spiritual breakthrough like really getting over that hump of unbelief and they just because doubt crept in they just fall away I don't want to see people walk through those doors and, and walk out because of that I don't want there to be doubt I want to do everything I can do do my level best to be raw and real but to give them the hope and the assurance of a life everlasting. We need to stand on that going forward. We need to stand on that. No matter what else we do, we have to present that to them. You are not alone. This place can stink. This world we live, it can hurt. And there can be doubt, but there's a cure for that. 
His name is Jesus. And He died on the cross to pay for that special place in our hearts to put His Word to make our faith walk resolute. Amen? Families, let's just let's make let's make a a point today just saying, you know what? Let's start shoring up those walls, our spiritual walls in our homes, so we can shore up the spiritual walls in our own our own soul. Would y'all pray with me? Heavenly Father God, I just I thank you for the opportunity to speak today. I hope we're not bored to tears. And Lord, I just want to tell you, I'm sorry for my own doubt. And I admit I have doubt. I, I doubt. I read things uh, in your word and sometimes I doubt. The doubt starts creeping in before I even get through some of the passages. But Lord, I ask today that, that we put a guidepost in the ground today. That we're going to start working on this systematically. That we just get deeper and deeper into your word. Get deeper and deeper into our prayer lives so that doubt creeps in less and less. Lord, I suffer with that. That's one of, the, one of the things I suffer with most, Lord, and I know I'm not alone. And Lord, I just ask that you just lift my spirits when I, when, I, when I become full of unbelief. And I ask that you just bless anybody that suffers with this same thing. Lord, and I ask you to move us forward as a church that, that wants to be real, that, that wants to present your word in a way that's, that's authentic. It doesn't pull any punches. Not hateful, not mean, just standing firm on your word and your word alone. And Father, I just ask that you grow this church, grow us spiritually, grow us so that we can have a bigger impact in this community, Lord, and, and give us a boldness to want to make an impact. Lord, we just love you and we praise you and we thank you for this day and we thank you for this moment of worship we've had with you today, Lord. Let us carry it out of here. And take it on in our own homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again. And we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.